Hello, it's Danny Howe back for another episode of Tales from Southern Indiana. Um, so I thought we would uh, uh, take a different tack here and talk about uh, something a little on the edge, which is uh, marijuana. You know, Indiana is one of, I think, only 12 states that uh, still um, has uh, nasty prison terms for folks who uh, are found uh, smoking, possessing marijuana. I believe that uh, the term for the least uh, uh, egregious offense, which is possessing a single marijuana cigarette, is one year in prison. And it kind of goes up from there, depending on, you know, how, how, how seriously you have committed yourself to marijuana smoking. And, you know, the irony of this is that these are folks, by and large, who are smoking Indiana marijuana. Uh, you know, first of all, before I got to college, I really didn't have any idea what marijuana was. Uh, at high school in Mitchell, Indiana, you know, being on the edge uh, as a kid meant um, that, you know, you, you wore a leather jacket to school. Uh, now, you couldn't wear jeans because, of course, you get sent home if you wear jeans. But I remember the toughest uh, kind of rebel in our school was a fellow who did wear a white T-shirt and a leather jacket, and he smoked non-filter Marlboro, so that was you know pretty out there. Uh, and he also had a '59 Ford station wagon that he'd ripped the back seat out of so he could put an entire mattress uh, in in the station wagon. So, you know, there was you know trouble on the hoof, but no marijuana. And uh, however, when I came to college in Bloomington, Indiana, which is still in southern Indiana, although it's a bit north and it's not as hilly. I found that marijuana was prevalent and uh, and popular to some extent among the students there. But again, this was not the kind of marijuana that you may read about or, or experience in other parts of the country. This was Indiana marijuana. This was marijuana that grew wild all over the state because it was descended from um, the kind of marijuana that was planted for purposes of rope back in World War One. And um, it had spread everywhere. It grew alongside the road, uh, just about, you know, any, any farmland uh, that you might find, you're likely to find some Indiana marijuana. And, uh, you know, like a lot of folks in southern Indiana, it, it had over the years lost its incentive to excel. So you, you could smoke it for an hour or two, and maybe you'd feel like you needed a nap or, or a Big Mac. But that was it. Uh, now... I had, when I was in college, a roommate who was committed to smoking enough of this weak marijuana to achieve some kind of result. And this was not something that I knew about him before we agreed to share a townhouse. And one of my first nights there, turned out my bedroom was above the living room. And unbeknownst to me, uh, my roommate smoked marijuana in the living room for several hours at a time. And I woke up in the middle of the night and found that I, I actually, you know, was, was quite disoriented. And there was smoke coming up through the vent. I thought we might have a fire. But then I, I got up and realized I couldn't stand. And, and I, you know, I, I had to you know, had by that time become familiar with the smell of marijuana. So I pretty much at that point decided we didn't have an emergency that required calling 911. What we had instead was 
my roommate, who was not being very considerate of me, especially given the fact that my vent in my bedroom was broken and it was stuck open. So it was all I could do was kind of crawl over to the vent with a pillow and put the pillow on top of the vent so that I had some time to recover. And, uh, you know, at some point I made my way downstairs and the entire living room was filled with smoke. I couldn't see anything in there. So I just called out my roommate's name and some sort of weak response uh, came back to me. So I knew he was in there still working to try to find some level of effectiveness from Indiana marijuana. Now, you know, it, it, it turns out that Indiana is one of 11 Midwestern states where this wild marijuana just grows all over the place. And it's it's been subject to different programs trying to eradicate it, um, none of which I think succeeded. Uh, in, around 1970, when I was in high school, the state police organized what they said were marijuana posses you know, like the, the, the posses in the Wild West that are going to get together and voluntarily go kill people. This was, they were going to get farmers who, you know, who they just thought had nothing else to do to be uh, members of posses and go out and eradicate marijuana. And uh, they said they were going to distribute leaflets about all of this and make some personal appearances to talk to the farmers about this whole program. But of course, the problem is, first of all, farmers are pretty busy. Uh, even Indiana farmers pretty busy, and I don't think they they got any significant number of volunteers to go out as a posse and lasso the wild uh, marijuana. And of course, only I mean one of the difficulties with doing that was that uh, marijuana growing wild in Indiana means that marijuana was everywhere. In one case, uh, you know, some kids were arrested up in Napanee, Indiana which is the northern part of the state, uh, because they had, in a single time visiting a single field, cut down 1,600 pounds of marijuana. Now, I don't, I don't know where they put 1,600 pounds of marijuana. Maybe they had a whole bunch of 59 Ford station wagons that they could use for that purpose, but sounds like, you know, if I was doing that sort of thing, I would have trouble planning in advance for that sort of thing. But at any rate, uh, they, they went off to prison. And it's no joke uh, committing a Marijuana Possession or Sales Act in Indiana because, as it turns out, uh, Indiana is one of only 12 states today that has no effective cannabis law and only one of 19 states that still imposes jail time for simple possession. Under Indiana law, if you have a single marijuana cigarette, I, well, you could get a year in prison and a fine of $5,000. And, uh, I mean, you know, you could have a single marijuana cigarette because somebody like my roommate had visited. So it, it, it's, it, it, seems, it seems harsh. But at any rate, that's Indiana um, for that kind of thing. Now, you know, Napanee had a kind of a special problem because they had, during the war, had a, they'd had a factory up there that made rope. And, you know, it probably was kind of a sad thing when that factory closed. I think a lot of folks there probably wondered why they couldn't continue to make some kind of product for marijuana and continue to make a good living. But no, that was, that was all done. However, the end result was that Napanee was blanketed with wild marijuana. 
and it, it seeds itself. Uh, you know, it is a productive plant. It doesn't sit and, you know, it, it doesn't fool around when it comes to reproduction. And so, it, yeah, one of the things that our local papers would often do in Lawrence County was when they found some marijuana, they would run an article saying exactly where they found it. And, of course, you imagine there were probably a lot of young people who subscribed to the paper because of that. Now, this wasn't the only idea that the government, you know, had to organize these posses. The Nixon administration around 1970 also, they figured they would set aside $48,000 for programs to maybe, you know, pay farmers about five bucks or so to get rid of this marijuana. Again, not really assessing the necessary incentive for folks who work as hard as farmers to do this kind of thing. Um, Now, there were... Uh, you know, the local police did make some efforts toward uh, punishing people who were found to possess marijuana, uh, but it wasn't quite on the level of the severity of punishment in other parts of the state. Uh, back in 1971, again, uh, you know, my high school era, a couple of folks were arrested and charged with possession of marijuana. It doesn't actually say in the article how much they possessed. I doubt that there was anybody who cared. But one of the folks who was arrested, uh, what he had done was he had attempted to give some free marijuana to the owner of a restaurant. He probably somebody he thought well of and, you know, thought that he would share some of his largesse. But she not only refused the free marijuana, but she called the Mitchell police. And, uh, and that was one of two charges brought against him. The other charge had to do with the fact that he walked into the police headquarters and put some marijuana down on the counter. Now, I don't know whether he was offering free marijuana to the police or whether they would have taken it uh, or whether, you know, it doesn't say he was charged with intent to sell. And interestingly enough, he was found not guilty um, when he was at a trial for putting a bit of marijuana on the counter at the police station. Maybe the folks on the jury just got too much of a hoot out of the whole story to bother with a guilty verdict, but, but we, don't, we don't actually know. Now, there's a, another article from the same time period in which um, there was a fellow who kind of made a name for himself in college by agreeing to participate in pretty much every research study that he could possibly get himself into because he wanted to make money off of it. And he'd make about $500 a year for all sorts of things. One of the things was swallowing rubber tubing. I don't know what the heck that study was about. But he said that um, what really sold him on the medical testing program was that he found out that he could be a marijuana guinea pig and get $20 for each marijuana cigarette he smoked. Now, if he was smoking Indiana marijuana, he could make quite a bit of money because he could, he could tolerate a whole slew of Indiana marijuana. But finally, I'll close out with a useful alternative that people were pursuing, at least scientists, for something that would be an alternative to smoking marijuana. And what they came up with was catnip, which had some logic to it because we all know that cats... Uh, who have access to catnip, and it's legal for cats to have catnip in Indiana. They do a fair amount of rolling around on the ground, and if people would like to roll on the ground and enjoy themselves doing it, then why not smoke some catnip? And and also, one of the studies involved a fellow who, he had 150 pounds of catnip, and he planned a study where he would let cats and rats smoke the marijuana. And now... 
course, these would be very, very small cigarettes. But at any rate, uh, he says that, you know, one of the responses that it turned out, the rats became, you know, quite amorous uh, in, in response to the marijuana and uh, had a, a higher rate of reproduction. So, you know, it made me wonder whether if, uh, you know, in Indiana high schools, uh, as marijuana may have filtered down from the colleges, that it had a similar effect. Um, maybe that was why we had so many pregnancies during my senior year that cut down our graduation class. But I speculate. At any rate, uh, it's a changing world, and sooner or later, maybe Indiana will choose not to remain a part of the least progressive states when it comes to Indiana marijuana. And might, what they might think about, you know, a big improvement in the marijuana laws would be simply to require people who smoke marijuana to smoke Indiana marijuana. And that would, that would certainly cut down on the, um, the incidence of uh, waking up in the middle of the night, finding out that you were stoned from a, uh, a, a smoke attack from your roommate. So there you go. I survived uh, college without any significant additional run-ins with uh, weak, weak marijuana, and uh, I'm glad of it. And what the future holds for Indiana well, you know, again, it's, there's a whole lot of things that one could speculate. And one of the things might be that we could have some uh, increase in the rat population. So there you go. A few thoughts for um, something involving something a little different uh, in my hometown and in my home state. And meanwhile, I want to thank uh, our newest uh, country here, folks uh, listening in Mexico. And it uh, makes me think that we might want to try to be bilingual in the future. But, you know, you're all welcome, and uh, we sure are glad to have you. As always, stay safe. Um, watch the plants that you pick off the side of the road just for safety's sake. And uh, we'll talk to you later.